see what the Lord has done. See what the Lord has done. All that we've waited for has come to pass. See what the Lord has done. Hi everyone. It's Hermes here with this week's message. See what the Lord has done. If you believe it, then join me in praying the collect for proper 11. Almighty God, the fountain of all wisdom, you know our necessities before we ask and our ignorance in asking. Have compassion on our weakness and mercifully give us those things which for our unworthiness we, we dare not and for our blindness we cannot ask through the worthiness of your son jesus christ our lord who lives and reigns with you and the holy spirit one god now and forever amen the opening of this week's message is the chorus of nathaniel bassi's see what the lord has done there is no exclamation mark in the title, but if I had to write the title of the song, I would insert the exclamation mark. Why? Believer, who can see what the Lord has done and not exclaim? Who can see the works, the miracles, the goodness of the Lord and not exclaim, see what the Lord has done? The lesson, epistle and gospel for today are Genesis 28, 10-19a, Romans 8, 12-26, and Matthew 13, 24-30, and 36-43. The lesson is the story of Jacob who fell asleep at a certain place, which he renamed Bethel, where he rested after fleeing from his brother Esau. By this time, Jacob had tricked Esau out of his blessing, and so, Instead of Esau receiving the blessing of the father, reserved for the firstborn child, the firstborn son, Jacob, the secondborn, received the blessing. Now, I use the word tricked guardedly. I use it carefully. For really, is this not what was bound to come to pass? In last week's lesson, Esau, so famished was he, readily gave up his birthright to Jacob. In fact, the lesson ended, thus Esau despised his birthright. Genesis 25 verse 34. We can say, therefore, that it was only in fulfillment of that transaction that Jacob, the second born of Isaac's children, would receive the blessing that traditionally was given to the firstborn. So now, Jacob has fled the anger of Esau, who vowed to kill him. He was tired and it was getting dark, so he decided to rest for the night. While he slept, he had a dream of a ladder on earth reaching as far as heaven. In that dream, Jacob saw the angels ascending and descending between the earth and heaven. In that dream, God promised him the land on which he slept. In that dream, God assured Jacob in Genesis 28:15, Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. 
The epistle offers us the second third of Paul's discourse in Romans 8 on the life in the Spirit. Paul explained to the Romans what it meant to live a life in the Spirit. Living in the Spirit freed the believer of the flesh, freed the believer of fear and allowed the believer to cry, Abba, Father, to the one who has freed them and called them an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. A parable, just as we saw last Sunday, forms the basis of this week's Gospel passage. The Gospel passage is the story of the wheat and the weeds. This parable, like last week's, includes an analogy between the Word of God and the seed being sown. Unlike last week's, rather than focusing on what was done with the seed, Jesus' emphasis was on what grew after the sower had sown the seed. In this week's parable, after the sower had sown the good seed, an enemy sneaked in and sowed bad seed among the good seed. What's interesting this week is, just as in the lesson where Jacob saw the angels ascending and descending along the ladder, in the gospel, Jesus in Matthew 13, 42, spoke of sending his angels at the end of the age to collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers who would be thrown into the furnace of fire where there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And as Jesus concluded dramatically in verse 43, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen! Exclamation mark. Now, I'm a firm believer that there is no accidental coincidence in the Word of God. The Almighty God I serve is so deliberate and purposeful in whatever He does that nothing happens by chance. I refer here to the coincidental reference in the assigned readings for this week to angels ascending and descending in the lesson and angels being sent down in the Gospel. You might say the lectionary was put together by the church by humans. That is true. But is it not God's hand that has guided his flock from age to age? And was it not God's hand that guided his flock when the lectionary was put together? So if we believe that, I apply this belief to the readings chosen for all our lectionaries. So it doesn't matter the generation. There is something in the day's readings for the people of the day. Now, the question to be resolved is this. What is this of the angels ascending and descending in the first reading, and then descending and presumably ascending in the final reading? In the words of the Lord as I was receiving this message that I now share with you, it's about seeing what the Lord has done. And so, I see the angels in the lesson being agents of the sowing of God's word. In the gospel, Jesus tells us the angels at the end of the age will be sent to reap. The fertilizer is the spirit, the enabler, the comforter, the advocate and guide that empowers us to live a life as children of God. The life spoken of by Paul in the epistle. In the lesson, Jacob rejoices in verses 16 and 17. Surely the Lord is in this place, 
and I did not know it! Exclamation mark. How awesome is this place! Another exclamation mark. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Dear ones, I profess that the word of God can only be sown if God is present. In fact, in Jacob's dream, the Lord stood beside him and delivered a promise, a word to him. Therefore, wherever we hear the word of God, there is God in the midst. There are his angels ascending and descending. There is the Spirit of the Lord doing the work, bringing the message, hallowing the space, reserving the space and identifying it as God's. There is the Spirit enabling us for the fulfillment of God's word. Wherever the word of the Lord is sown, there is an opportunity for us like Jacob to cry out, Surely the Lord is in this place. Wherever the word of the Lord is sown, our ears should be open to listen and our eyes should be open to see, to see what the Lord has done. And in that seeing and hearing, to rejoice in the glory of God. So now I ask, what is the word that God has given you? There is the word that God gave to each of us at our baptism, that we are his children, members of Christ's body, the church, and that we are inheritors to the kingdom of God. Can you not see what the Lord has done? What though is that word that he has given to you? What dream has he planted in your heart? What promise has he made to you? As the Lord told Jacob in the lesson, I repeat now to you, he will not leave you until he has done what he has promised you. What has the Lord already done in fulfillment of that promise? Can you not see what the Lord has done? Dear ones, here's the basis of my point, of my question. Isaiah 46.10 tells us that God declares the end from the beginning. From ancient times, things not yet done. It ends with an assurance that God's purpose shall stand and that God will fulfill his intention. It means then that every step in our journey is in furtherance of God's promise to us. Now, don't you let the devil trick you into believing that even when you strayed from God's path, that straying could not be included into God's amazing and wondrous divine plan for you to cleave to him even more. Remember Genesis 50:20 tells us that even what was intended to harm us, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. Beloveds, I extend that today, spoken how many ever millennia ago, to the current age. I say again, don't you let the enemy fool you into believing that God has abandoned you. For God's word tells us as in today's lesson that he will keep us wherever we go and will bring us back. Don't you get discouraged because of the testing that you've been undergoing. For scripture tells us in Hebrews 12 that our trials are for the sake of discipline. God is treating you as children, 
For what child is there whom a parent does not discipline? That discipline, we are told, is part of who we are as children of God. Now, don't we hear traces of that in today's epistle? In Romans 8, 16 to 17, Paul wrote, when we cry, Abba, Father, it is the Spirit of God bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Paul consoled, if we suffer with Christ, then we will also be glorified with Christ. Dear ones, see what the Lord has done. I want to encourage you, as you experience challenges in life, as you make your way through your wildernesses, as you cross your river Jordan into the territory that has been promised to you by the Lord to cry out, surely the Lord is in this place. I encourage you to affirm like Paul did in Romans 8, 18. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. I challenge you to shout out to the world, see what the Lord has done. For everything that you have endured to this present date is in fulfillment of God's word for you. You see, beloveds, the Almighty whom we serve has already determined our victory. For he has declared the end from the beginning. He has already blessed your latter days. Will you not claim it? Will you not walk confidently towards it, shouting all the while, see what the Lord has done? I exhort you as a believer, for the eye of the believer sees what the Lord has done. The heart of the believer knows that, regardless of the mess that the world sees, there is much that the Lord has done. The believer knows that while they struggle to make ends meet, the Lord, their provider, has never caused them to go without. Rather, the Lord has blessed them with endurance to be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. The believer sees that even though the floodwaters of rising prices, monthly bills, school expenses and unforeseen expenses have risen around them, not once have those waters overwhelmed them, as promised in Isaiah 43. The believer sees that even though there are threats and problems at work in the family or the neighborhood, the Lord lifts their head up above the enemies all around. The believer sees that even though the enemy has used those around them to spew fire at them, tarnishing their reputation, that fire has not consumed them. Again, as promised in Isaiah 43, the believer sees that even when they are languishing and their bones are shaking with terror, the Lord heals them. The Lord sees that even when they are alone, it is then that they hear the voice of the Lord more clearly. It is then that they understand that their help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, and not from man. The believer sees that when the enemy prowls around like a lion, seeking to devour them, the Lord hides them in his shelter. Dear ones, the believer sees what the Lord has done. Beloveds, the believer sees. The believer knows that God is the fountain of all wisdom. 
and that he answers their prayers in ways far greater than they could ever hope or imagine. The believer sees all that the Lord in his mercy grants them, despite their unworthiness. The believer sees that the futility to which they have been subjected has set them free from their bondage to decay and made them ready to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The believer sees all this. And because the believer sees all that the Lord has done, the believer waits for what they do not see with patience. And as the believer waits, the believer praises for praise drives away the enemy. As the believer waits, the believer prays for their brothers and sisters, even the ones who persecute them. As the believer waits in patience, the believer allows the Lord to complete and to con or to continue his work in the believer, perfecting the believer, recasting the believer, reshaping, refashioning the believer to go out and do the work that the Lord has called the believer to do. As the believer waits, the believer rejoices, for the believer knows that the one who has promised will not leave them until he has done what he has promised them. Dear ones, the believer, the one who truly believes, as Abraham believed, and so had his faith reckoned on to him as righteousness, can do all this because this believer lives in the spirit and that spirit allows the believer to hope in what is not seen. For it is in this hope that the believer is saved. As I close, let me remind you of the coincidence the angels in the lesson who preceded the promise of the Father and those in the Gospel who came after the promise of the Father, the ones who were sent to reap. Dear ones, the ladder has been set up. The angels have come down and gone back up. The Word of God has been given to you. That Word has taken root in your heart and has sprung good fruit. The spirit which was poured into you at your baptism is enabling you to live the life that leads to the fulfillment of the promise of God. The time will come when the weeds growing about you will be reaped by God's angels. The time will come when you, the righteous, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. The time will come and you will rejoice, for you will know that you have seen what the Lord has done. Beloveds, Especially now, I pray you the love of the Father, the peace of the Son, and the joy of the Spirit. Amen. <laughs>